Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome as the W2M Network presents The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. I am your host, I am the voice of reason, my name is Harry Broadhurst, thank you for joining us once again. In addition, we have the traditional cast of characters here, we have, once again this week, the anchorman, Eric Watkins. Stay classy, W2M. And there is Randy Isbell. Hello, hello, hello. Unfortunately, the unprofessional Jason Teasley is on assignment covering the season opener for the West Virginia Hoot Owls. Yeah, a little bit of breaking news on that front. Uh, The Kentucky Buckets, they're not doing so well. They've had a little bit of an increase in cases, so their game was postponed. (laughs) But you know who I hear is going to be really good this year? The Sonic Rings. I don't know, the one one bad hit and they just lose everything. I know, right? It's awful. It's miserable. Uh, okay, so we should probably cue, uh, clue Randy in as far as this goes. There was a bit a couple of uh, probably about a year a year or two ago where Amber, Jason's wife, had a dream about a professional football team coming to West Virginia. And they yeah. were called the Hoot Owls. <laughs> I love it. And it became a recurring gag on the show for the better part of the first 12 weeks last season. Thereabouts. We built up We built up to the big season finale against the Kentucky Buckets, which ended in a tie. <laughs> See, all I, all I was thinking while you guys were talking about that stuff was, I don't know what league they're talking about, but whatever team I would root for in that league would be the the worst. <laughs> well, the, the, yeah, the, the whole I feel thing. like... The whole thing was the Kentucky Buckets have great sponsorship and management, though, in those uniforms. The uniforms are sharp. You know, they're managed by Colonel Sanders. That's his actual given name, (laughs) Colonel Sanders. (laughs) All right, let's move on because we're not getting sponsored by anybody. Um, I do feel there is a little bit of housekeeping to do after last week's episode. There was a game five that needs to be discussed, wasn't there, Eric? No, there wasn't. Nope. <laughs> nope. As we mentioned, tempers are going to get a little touchy here on the show over the next couple of weeks in baseball. And sure enough, Eric's Tampa Bay Rays took out the New, took out the New York Yankees in five to advance to the ALCS. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, they are taking care of business. So I'm, I'm proud of those kids. Um, yes. I will say congratulations to the Rays and to Eric. Um, they were the better team in the series. Game five was fantastic. Um, my girlfriend had a friend over, and I was told the next day that she has her friend was not somebody that's been around people that were into sports and was not used to somebody being so antisocial. I may have said hi. I don't remember. I was so locked in to game five. Fantastic game. The, the, the storyline was there, and I, I, can't, I can't even be mad about it. It's uh, The Rays were the better team in the regular season, and they came up huge. 
in game five. I, I mean, no, oh, I, I flipped Eric shit about the umpires a few times throughout the series because the umpires were garbage. But it was for both teams. It was pretty even. So I, I can't even be mad. So congratulations to the Rays and just finish the job, please. We're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Right now, game four, trying to complete the sweep. It isn't going as planned. But I'm not going to lie, you really made us earn it, and it was a very good series. There's nothing to really be disappointed about. And yes, that whole I, umpire crew was crap. I do believe the one thing that me and Randy can both agree on is that we both hope you beat the brakes off of the Houston Astros in the ALCS. However, when it comes to the World Series, good sir, all bets are off. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, given tonight's scores, we may right, end up yeah, with let's, extra rest. Let's talk about that real quick here because, yeah, um, the good news is, is the Atlanta Braves scored the final three runs of Game 3 of the NLCS. Unfortunately, the Dodgers scored the first 15. So how many, how many is that unanswered if you count in the, like, five or six that they scored at the end of Game 2? Uh, Did the uh, Dodgers outscore the Braves by 20? If you count the last 19, crazy. Uh, we were up eight. Uh, I think it was actually eight to two, so 21. Because I think at one point we were up eight to two in game two, and it ended at eight seven, and then they put up the first 15. So yeah, tonight that was 20 unanswered runs. 20. Well, regardless, the facts of the matter are. The Braves have a two-to-one lead against the Dodgers in the NLCS right now. So if that happens, be forewarned. If there is a game on while we are recording an episode of the kickoff next week, it is entirely possible that the episode of the kickoff next week may turn into the pitch out. I like that name already. We should get some artwork just in case. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the reason we're actually here tonight. Let's talk about the re the football that did occur this past weekend, and then we'll get into the football that's not occurring this weekend. Actually, I just want to cut in. Game two is scheduled on a Wednesday. Oh, snap. Next week. And game seven, if it would reach that far, would be a Wednesday the, as well. Is the following Wednesday. Yeah. Um... God, I hope that happens. I'm rooting for that so hard right now. Yeah, if everything goes down and there is a game seven, there may not even be a standard right. kickoff. Or yeah. Uh no, no. What's gonna end up happening is me and you are gonna do our own show watching the game and yelling at each other for three and a half hours. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody else can come on in if they want to, but you'll know what you'll be walking into. <laughs> All right, let's get tonight's show started in earnest. It's time for how we always start the kickoff. It's time for Studs and Duds. Yeah, I didn't really give you a pause there, did I? No, no, you didn't. I had to improvise. It worked out very well, though. Well done, Mr. Anchorman. <laughs> this is what I do, especially without scotch. All right, Eric, I'll let you go ahead and get us started. Who's your stud for the week? Well... We had Megatron in Detroit and Calvin Johnson. We have Legatron, Greg Zerline, now in Dallas. I introduce everybody to Mapletron, a proud Canadian, four touchdowns in the Keystone Showdown, Steelers wide receiver, Chase Claypool. 
Fun fact, I'm actually going to follow that up with Jason's pick because Jason's pick actually kept that a close game. Having his best rushing performance of the season was Philadelphia Eagles running back Miles Sanders, he of Penn State University. So he is a local PA boy done good in the Keystone Classic. Always nice to see that happen. Including breaking one seventy four yards from the line of scrimmage for a touchdown against Pittsburgh early in the game to give Philadelphia the lead. Yeah, the lead, but it wasn't the win though. And yeah, you see you see seventy four yard runs quite frequently. Do you see a Pittsburgh Steeler score four touchdowns in a game? Unless you were alive back in the sixties when Roy Jefferson did it. No you haven't. Just saying. Interesting fact here, and if I may, I would like to borrow your moniker for this. Of course. A honorary squid bit to the four-touchdown performance by Chase Claypool is that it is the most touchdowns by a rookie since earlier show dedication Gale Stairs scored six with the Chicago Bears. I could have They talked about... I could have sworn they they mentioned Reggie Bush as well back in 06. They talked about Gail Sayers on the game. I remember specifically the announcers talking about it because being that I live in Youngstown, which is like halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, we're considered a dual market, so we got both games on Sunday. We got the Steelers game, and then we got the Browns game in the 4 o'clock spot as well. Hashtag red zone, baby. Don't get me started on that. I know who my DOTW is, and we'll talk about it later. Done. All right. Uh, um, so Jason picked Miles Sanders from Philadelphia. Eric has Chase Claypool from Pit- the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm staying in the NFL as well, so I'll go ahead and go next, and I'll let Randy finish since his pick is collegiate. Um, I hate to give Jason credit, but when he's right, he's right. The Las Vegas Raiders showed up and showed out in Arrowhead as they took down the Kansas City Chiefs 40-32, to ending the longest winning streak in the National Football League at, I want to say, 12 games? I thought it was 13. Either way, Derek Carr had a monster performance. The Chiefs, or the Raiders' defense forced three turnovers, I believe. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the, the entire Kansas City team, and I talked to resident Kansas City fan that we discuss on the show on a regular basis, Robert Taylor, about this. Kansas City found themselves in a situation where they were overlooking the Las Vegas Raiders getting ready for their nationally televised next week. Unfortunately for me, <laughs> my team played a role in that whole overlooking business, too. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we pour one out for the homers. Not just overlooking, but we'll get to that later. You you shut your filthy mouth, Watkins. All I'm going to say to you is somebody else took Jacksonville in Are You Serious? Yeah, I noticed, but it's not much of a jinx when that happens. But again, that will be discussed later. I will point out that Randy's barred from taking Jacksonville for at least the rest of the first half of the season. I'll find a way. Don't worry. No, no, you I... won't. No, you won't. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Um, Eric, 
Yes. I, I talked over your sound effects, so dun dun dun. Dramatic reverb. Okay. Uh, you're the only one to go collegiate, Randy. Who you got? Yeah, it's weird that I'm, I'm the college guy this week. Uh, but this was actually a game that I watched from start to finish. It was really fantastic. I made the joke on my radio show last night that I think COVID got rid of defense in the SEC. I think that's a side hold effect. How apropos. Hold on. Hold, hold on. Where can people listen to your radio show? You can listen to it at klcz.com every Tuesday, 6 to 8 Pacific time. 9 to at, 11, 9 to 11 proper coast. That would yeah, be I, I can't do math. Uh, but my stud is Najee Harris of the Alabama Crimson Tide, who every time Ole Miss tried to get back in that game, he shut the door. 23 carries, 206 yards on the ground, and five touchdowns. Got in the fact he had three catches for 42 yards. And again, especially in the second half, every t this was just a, a back-and-forth slugfest between those two. It was really fun to watch. 63 and, to 48, I believe. Yeah, 63-48. Mm -hmm. uh, Ole Miss would come, and they, I mean, Alabama took the lead on the first drive in the second half, and Ole Miss answered. It. And Alabama would score. I don't think there was a, a stop until the middle of the fourth quarter between either team in the second half. Really fun. But Najee Harris was fantastic. Had the big 39-yard run to seal it. Uh, they were up eight with about a minute and a half to go. Just needed a first down to, to lock it up. Ends up getting the touchdown instead. Just fantastic performance by him. And, yeah, that was a really fun game and not something you're used to when you're watching an SEC game where they go over 100. Oh, all right. Actually, I think I had a comment about this in our group chat. I believe the exact comment was with, that, with the high-scoring games because you mentioned this game when you picked it. And you mentioned the final score, and I said, wait a minute. Since when does the SEC play defense like the Big 12? Even uh, the Lane train himself, Lane Kiffin, was like, man, I thought they played defense in the SEC. Apparently nobody played defense in that game for 111 points. Highest scoring regulation game in SEC history, if I remember correctly. Impressive. All right, let's move over to the opposite side. Let's talk duds. I have my stats pulled up right in front of me. Um, Jason picked the Vikings for their final drive against Seattle. You can kind of understand that. At the same Are time, you talking offense or defense? Their offense, the final drive against Seattle. No, I can't think it. I can't believe it at all. I mean, no, you can understand why he picked it. But Would I'm it cost them money or something? No, just because they sucked. I'm going to point out that at one point in that game, Minnesota was up, what was it, 21-7, Eric? Thereabouts. Some, something like that. Like and then Kirk Cousins in prime time remembered that he's Kirk Cousins playing in prime time. <laughs> to, to be fair, for Sunday night games, it takes a little while. So it's like, oh, it's Sunday. Wait a minute. Why are the lights on? Oh, wait. Why is the sun? Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> I'm supposed to suck. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's Jason's pick. 
I'm collegiate. Hold on, let me pull up the other. Let me pull up the other listings here. Eric, I don't know what your listing is. I'm collegiate as well. All right, so then we'll stay in the NFL and we'll go to Randy. Yeah, I'm taking the entire San Francisco 49ers laying a complete egg against the Miami Dolphins, losing 43 to 17, and it was never even that close. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, was not ready. I mean, he just looked off, and I, I think the coach saw that too. He doesn't come out and he doesn't play in the second half, but. Even without him, and I know they have a lot of injuries and stuff, but uh, and the Jets play the Dolphins this week, and I think the Jets keep it closer than that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong for Garoppolo's stat line. 7 of 17, 77 yards, two interceptions? Correct. The sevens are wild is what you're saying. Mm-hmm, and they weren't lucky either. No, no, they were not. All right, Eric, Dud. Okay, does anybody remember Bill Gramatica? The kicker that tore his ham, uh, kicker that tore his hamstring, hamstring celebrating a kick? Yes. Yes, I do. Martin's younger brother, I believe. Correct. You can understand when kickers do it, but would you really understand, um, if it happened to, say, I don't know, a defensive lineman? Oh. Oh, is this the, the, the game I think it is? Yes. Is this from the Tennessee-Georgia game? Mm, no. All right, hold on. I'm trying to remember. I remember. Oh, no, this is A&M Florida. Yes. A defensive lineman celebrating getting a big stop and then having to hobble off the field because he injured himself? Well, technically, yeah, he turned his ankle and then his teammate pushed him and then he fell down and hurt himself even worse. Yeah, so uh, Bobby Brown, not that Bobby Brown, I mean... Well, fuck him on general principle, too. Agreed, so having that name is already a strike against you, I get it, but... Legit. Wow, just no, 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 you don't do that. Speaking of Tennessee, Georgia, I I remember the A&M player sacking, um, sacking Kyle Trask and celebrating with his teammates and then falling down with the injury. So that, it, it took me a second to get there. But the, the marquee game in the SEC this week was considered to be Tennessee and Georgia. Eh, don't it remind was the, me. It was the CBS National Focus game at 3.30 on Saturday. And for the first half, it was a damn good game, Eric. It was, and I was feeling mighty good about myself for a minute. Eric took Tennessee plus, I think he got seven and a half. Are you serious for that game? Uh, I can't remember if it was seven and a half or if that was the twelve. Hold on. I have the listings in front of me. Give me one second. Uh, Tennessee was 12. The seven and a half was Jacksonville, which moved to six and a half by kick. Of course it did. But anyway, so it was looking like Eric was going to be really, really bold in his prediction and really, really accurate. Then the second half happened, Eric. Woo! Yeah. 21-17 volunteers at the break. Tennessee would not score again. The final score is Georgia 44, 
Tennessee 21. Eric loses 11 points in Are You Serious? Hmm. With everything that's gone on that's different in 2020, does that have to be the thing that stays the same? I mean, really? Really? A, a pair of Stetson Bennett touchdown passes, a fumble recovery by Monty Rice immediately after the Stetson Bennett second touchdown pass in the fourth quarter, and then a pair of, I'm going to fuck this up, Jack Podlesny? Podlesny? If you P-O-D-L-E-S-N-Y. Yeah, Podlesny. Podlesny. Not put not put Lesney because I know that that's the guy who played for Penn State and then for the Giants and Buffalo and Jacksonville. That's Paul's Lesney. Yeah, that Z guy. Got, there. Paul got around. Mm-hmm. So my stud for the week, good old Rocky Top in the second half. Okay, I do sing on occasion on the show. I yeah. <laughs> They're going to learn a little bit of an extra lesson later in the show. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. All right. And we really are playing the hits early. You said right, yourself so that... we'd be playing the classics tonight. Well, I was referring to the West Virginia Hootiles and the Kentucky Buckets, which, by the way, thank you for being on the ball for that. I appreciate it. It, it made this cranky gun. All right, so it was a very, very busy week at the news desk in sports. Woo! That's an understatement. <clears throat> as, as you may have seen and heard and saw visually in some instances. So here's what we're going to do. I've got a question is scrapped for this week. And so that happened becomes the news desk. And with that, we go to the anchor man, Eric Watkins. Well, uh, leading off the news desk because, well, Randy, naturally your Jets are going to be Jets. I'll have an interesting stat for you when we pull one out for the homers. However, Le'Veon Bill... You know him, some of you tolerate him, and you thought that when he was going to be gone from Pittsburgh, oh, no big deal, you'd never really have to deal with him again. And for the most part, you were absolutely right. Not the case anymore, as the Jets decided, even we've had enough of you, you're done, and he was officially released. And there's a lot going on in the rumor mill that he could end up a Kansas City Chief. Boy, would that just be fitting. Uh, you know what I say to that? I say the same thing to that that I said in our group chat that was in a conversation I had elsewhere. The announcement of Le'Veon Bell being released came right after Derrick Henry absolutely disrespected Josh Norman. <laughs> And the exact quote that was used was, Derrick Henry threw down Josh Norman so hard he got Le'Veon Bell fired. <laughs> I mean, talk about sending someone straight to the shadow realm with that one. At least it didn't happen to me this time. Now you know how it feels. We go from... We go from Le'Veon Bell being released... 
to a season ending for a different reason, Eric. Yeah, uh, Randy, they have a little bit of tough times down in the Big D. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, uh, you know, we've been really tough on Dak Prescott on this show, especially since I've joined yeah, about his contract situation. Oh, yeah. but uh, About his contract situation and thinking he deserves top-tier money and everything. And this is not the way. I mean, we even made, were making jokes about, oh, Andy Dalton will play this week and that week and stuff. But I don't think any of us feel like joking about it anymore after what happened to him just destroying his ankle in a tackle from behind, not a dirty tackle or anything, just one of those plays, his foot got caught underneath him. Just a really gross situation that uh, it, was, it was really tough to watch. Uh, my, me personally, I had just showed up at the bowling alley to do the, the league that I normally do, and the game was up on the, the screens. So I, I missed the play initially, but I saw Prescott down, and... I'm talking to somebody who's a, a Cowboys fan, so I, I pointed it out to them, and then they showed the replay, and you, you kind of see his his ankle looking a little different, and then they quickly cut away from it, and just even that was just kind of a mood changer. So we, we feel bad for Dad, Dak Prescott, of course, hope for a, a speedy recovery. They're saying four to six months, so he'll be ready for training camp, and we'll see about his contract stuff. But, that, I mean, that's far far in the back of the mind because you don't you don't like to see injuries like that at all i will say this much about this because i have been one of Dak prescott's biggest critics on this show and i've been one of his biggest critics in all of our group chats as well nobody deserved what happened to Dak prescott this past sunday not whatsoever and we here at the kickoff join all of your neighbors although granted we can't make a sign because we're ravens but in all seriousness Dak. Get well soon. You've already been through enough this year. I will say this much. I think on sheer principle, Prescott should at the very least have an opportunity to have another run to earn the money that he thinks he's worth. Because let's be honest, he's not going to get it this offseason. I mean, it's going to be an interesting situation given the price of the franchise tag, but something's going to happen one way or another. All right, so since I'm doing Jason's stuff for him, I'll go ahead and take care of this real quick, and then you can introduce my story, Eric, okay? All righty. All right, so... Jason chose the ending of the Auburn-Arkansas game for his show that happened, which we're obviously, like I said, moving to the news desk here. For those of you who haven't seen it, Auburn was driving after Arkansas scored to take a 28-27 lead late in the game, which tells me that Felipe Franks is doing just fine there, Sean. <laughs> the former Florida Gator, who's now the Arkansas Razorback quarterback, which is Sean's favorite team at least secondary to North Texas. But we won't talk about North Texas because they can't get a game in the uh, Conference USA because everybody has corona. Anyway. So Auburn is driving down the field, and Bo Nix takes a snap in order to try to spike the ball, but the snap is fumbled. And when the snap is fumbled, Nix recovers it and then spikes it anyway. 
the referee blows a play dead despite the fact that you are not allowed to spike a fumbled snap and claimed that Nick's threw a forward pass when it was clearly behind the line of scrimmage and clearly thrown into the ground. I have openly admitted that I am a Florida Gator fan before, but my second favorite team in the SEC, my SEC West team, are the Auburn Tigers. Arkansas got fucked Saturday. Well, I mean, even then, and I've got a friend of mine, I've mentioned him on the show, Gator alum, obviously lifelong Gator fan, pretty much, and he's always complained about Florida and Auburn, when they get together, the refs screwing over Florida. So when I heard about this, I mentioned, man, Florida quarterbacks, even if they go somewhere else and play Auburn, they can't catch a break. Yeah, and the thing about that play that that drove me nuts even more is he talked about the fumble and then he spiked it. He turned around and spiked it. So it's even a backwards pass. So it's still, everything about that play was wrong. It's basically the exact opposite of what happened I want to say circa 2000 might have been 2001 around that time Jacksonville at Cleveland the infamous with Tim Couch and the fans throwing things at the referee oh was that the day of the thousands of water bottles on the field correct I remember the scene there because I remember watching that game as I said local market for Cleveland Mm mm-hmm I remember watching that game and the referees just absolutely getting pelted by water and beer bottles and stuff. Oh, yeah. I saw that whole development live and I was like, referees can't really do that and just end the game, can they? Tagliabue was like, no, they can't. Get back out there. <laughs> yeah, you, you can watch that whole thing on YouTube. I, I did it at some point in the offseason and it's like a whole 30-minute thing of mm-hmm. them going back and forth to the studio and stuff trying to figure out what was going on and i think the referees were smart and saying the game's over because then most of the fans were out of the stadium when they had to come back and finish the game it was a little safer they still got their fair share of debris thrown at them as they were making their way back up the tunnel though oh yes water bottles batteries you name it because cleveland okay let's put it this way we hope it was water in those bottles Again, because Cleveland. This is true. (laughs) All right. The final non-COVID-related story that we're going to cover. The uh, second part of the news desk will happen after I'm a survivor, Eric. Sure, of course. Okay. So the last part of the news desk that we'll cover before I'm a survivor is my story. And Eric, we talked about it when we did our show, when we did our awards preview. It came to fruition this week. In the weirdest sort of way at that. Go ahead. Okay, so we were all mentioning, and especially those of you who have previously listened to some of our shows or go through the archives, we mentioned the situation. Oh, go ahead. Archives available on all of your favorite podcast listening services, as well as through clicking on the kickoff on the podcast section of the W2Mnet.com website. So we had mentioned Alex Smith. Everything that he'd gone through since his injury with Washington, the documentary, the surgeries, the infections, the whole nine yards. And we all pretty much unanimously agreed if he were to ever set foot 
on the field during a game, he would be the least leading candidate for comeback player of the year. Well, it was kind of a perfect storm of events that led to it. Dwayne Haskins benched, relegated to third string because of study habits and other issues with the team as far as personal discipline. His agent being a gigantic douchebag among them. And supposedly not being at the game because of a stomach virus. Take that for what it's worth. Kyle Allen starts. Kyle Allen on a run. A little bit of a hit out of bounds. Issues with his shoulder. He's off to the locker room. Lo and behold, right in front of his family, in the stands, number 11, back onto the field to finish out the game against the Rams. A little bit nervous at the beginning. Go ahead. Nine for 17 for 37 yards, sacked six times for negative 31 yards. And one of those sacks, Aaron Donald doing Aaron Donald things, that scared me a bit. All right, so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think we can expect Alex Smith to be the player that he was before this injury. And to expect him to be is to set yourself up for failure. The mere fact that that man is back on a football field is a medical miracle. Absolutely. However, as the announcers in the studio show said after the game, it is, I, I believe it was Terry Bradshaw who said it. It is uncomfortable to watch right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because even though with all of the preparation, all of the drills, all of the practice, even being third string, preparing like you're getting into the game, showing up earlier than Dwayne Haskins and leaving later, it's still not the same as having a 300-pound lineman hop on your back. After an injury like that, you're on pins and needles. And as it is now, if Kyle Allen is healthy, he will remain the starter. Great. Because we know he can do it. We've seen him do it. You don't want to keep risking that chance. He had a reasonable enough season in Carolina last year. He did. I mean, in Interception issues, of course, but that's kind of par for the course in the NFC South. He was in the same division as Jameis Winston, after all. (laughs) The thing about Washington is, though, is Washington's O-line is a travesty. We talked about that when we did our show preview. There is literally not one person on this offensive line that the casual NFL fan is going to know. And you would be hard-pressed. I'm looking at the, start, the starting lineup right now. You know who You know who the two people in their lineup that mean the most to me are? Who? Terry McLaren, who we talked about might be one of the more underrated, underrated wide receivers. True. And, and Logan Thomas, because he was a Buffalo Bill. That's fair. None of the other names in the line mean any in their starting lineup offensively mean anything to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Antonio Gibson a Gator? That's ringing some tiny bells. All right. Well, while I look into that real quick, I, I just to discuss what I'm referring to here. There is no weapons in that Houston offense 
and their line might be more Swiss cheese than the Giants is. I am 100% worried and scared that Alex Smith gets into a game again later this season and finds himself in an unfortunately similar situation to what Prescott did with Dallas and the Giants. And we see Alex ending up back on the injured reserve list because he has nobody there that can protect him with his less than 100% foot. And at this point, with that foot, with that leg, even with compression and everything, he was very lucky. Like they say, like what doctors say, when you have serious heart issues, you just beat the Widowmaker. Yeah, he's lucky that he can continue his career. That happens again, as scary and as callous as it is, he's done. Done. Randy, real question here, and then we'll move on, and then I want to, I want Eric's answer as well. Are you comfortable watching Alex Smith play quarterback right now? No, absolutely not. It was, I was with Terry Bradshaw. It, looked, it was rough, especially that first sack with Aaron Donald where he became a backpack to Alex Smith for a minute, and you were just worried about, is his leg going to hold up? I'm so happy for him to be able to get back out there, as as Eric said, with his family in the stands. It was a great moment, and then every moment after that, you're just holding your breath. Eric, same question. Do you think you'll be comfortable watching Alex Smith play quarterback this year? Absolutely not. I would have been much better had there been a preseason have a nice preseason moment to wear a few snaps, and that would be great. But under these conditions, mm-mm. I would even go as far to say that Alex Smith shouldn't be playing this year. He should have waited until next year. I can agree with that. Give himself another full off season to recover, recuperate, and regain whatever strength that he may have had before the injury. All right, so we'll take a break from the news desk here. We'll come back to the news desk part two a little bit later on in the show. Yeah, allow me to uh, grab some beverages in the meantime. <laughs> All right, so while Eric is doing that, go ahead and go beverage. Me me and Randy, you'll hold down the fort with the start of the I'm a Survivor picks, and then you and Mama Watkins can, you and Mama Watkins can announce your picks at the end. Sounds like a plan. All right, so Eric will be right back, Randy. I'll go ahead and start here. Um, And then there was one. There were two people who had hit all five weeks of the re- all four weeks of the regular season going into last week. Myself and Jason. Jason selected the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who lost to the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football. When medium penis Nick Foles came up to play <laughs> in the second half. He wasn't big dick Nick, but he was medium penis Foles. We call that average size. That's that's fair. Uh, four and a half fools. Does that work? Yeah, especially since it's half of a nine. All right. So anyway, my pick last week was the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, as we earlier discussed, Chase Chase Claypool had his breakout performance as a wide receiver in the National Football League telling the Philadelphia Eagles defense exactly what that was all about. <laughs> really? And there okay. was one undefeated person left in season two of I'm a Survivor. Ladies and gentlemen, all hail your king. Thank you. Thank you very much. Where's my applause, damn it? 
You'll get it. You're not gonna win this week, so it's fine. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. All right, so Randy doesn't pick first this week because he's actually on a two-game winning streak. Eric's on a winning streak as well. So is Mama Watkins. Mm-hmm. Which means the honor, or the dishonor, I guess you could look at it, of, of picking first goes to Jason. <laughs> who has selected the Baltimore Ravens over the Philadelphia Eagles at 1 o'clock on CBS. All right, so... Eric, you and Mama Watkins are tied, so you might as well go ahead and announce both of them. Okay, well, for me, even though she made me a little bit mad that she was rooting for Joe Burrow, and we all saw how that happened, um, I'm actually going to go ahead and go against him because even though Philip Old Man Rivers is still the quarterback, I think Old with... Old Man Rivers... I think with how that Colts defense is, which is still pretty legit, they're going to get enough pressure for Joe Burrow to yet another week of kind of iffy situations, and the Colts hang on to win one. It'll probably be low scoring, but Indy takes it in the end. Giggity. <laughs> oh, and it, it's so much more... Walking. It's so much more meaningful if you knew the kind of things I was thinking about off-air, but I digress. Episode 138, sir. Eh, we're counting down to it, and the nickname actually has been slightly altered. Details coming soon. Oh, Jesus. All right, how about Mama Watkins' pick? Well, she's going for another battle of all-time great quarterbacks in the Battle of the Bays, Green Bay versus Tampa Bay. Even though she's not a fan of either of them, and she's particularly not a fan of Aaron Rodgers, she likes Tom Brady a little bit less, so she's going with the Packers in that one. I actually considered Green Bay and then realized I couldn't pick them because I already have on my winning streak. <laughs> All right, Randy, you've got two in a row, and I'm a survivor. You cannot select the Kansas City Chiefs or the Houston Texans? Well, I am going to go with the New England Patriots to defeat the Denver Broncos. Oh, sorry, natural reaction to hearing that yeah. name. I agree. Bill, give me Bill Belichick coming off a bye week. Give me Cam Newton returning. And give me a Bron or give me a team that's facing a Broncos team with a running back that is, is dealing with a DOI issue. So, Patriots all the way, which... Makes me vomit in my mouth, but I, I want to get the three, damn it. Harry, I believe the proper reaction is... <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> All right, so... um, Are you saving the stat that I saw on... Are you saving the stat that I, that I sent you in the, uh, in, the, in the chat for... The poor one out for the homers, Eric. Yes, because I was legitimately surprised when I read that. The one that goes back to the 2013 Jaguars? Oh, no. Different one, actually. Okay, so then let me use that one then here. Sure. In the history of the NFL, the National Football League itself is the actual National Football League. In the 60-season history that 
the league has. There have been four teams to have lost each of their first five games by double digits. Would you like to guess who the newest team to do that, Randy, is? I don't really have to guess. I know. I'm living it, sir. <laughs> it continues this week when you guys lose to the Miami Dolphins. And given the fact that Miami got its offense going as well as it did against San Francisco and they're at home for this game with fans, ooh, this could get ugly. To be fair, they lost their Broncos by nine. Yeah, but... Oh, it was... um. It was multiple scores, not double digits. Okay. So yeah, I, I was going to say, if it was double digits, I mean, the Bills only won by 10, so that was going to be the, the closest game, but I forgot that Broncos game should have been a W, but wasn't. But that's cool. Jets play the Dolphins good. You're going to get a loss right here because the Jets find a way to win stupid games like this. Which one... Which one did we go with, Eric? Was it tanking for Trevor or losing for Lawrence? I think tanking for Trevor is better. Okay, that's fair. Well, that's I, what I'm, the Jets... I'm. I'm going with gagging to fire Gase. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny, actually. Well played. So we would be gagging. Oh. So we would be gagging against Gase. Okay, I can do with this. Gagging against Gase actually abbreviates to gag as well. It works. You're welcome. Giggity. All right, <laughs> moving on. Um, okay, so I know we don't have it set up in the news desk, but I feel like we need to cover it before we do go back to the news desk, Eric. Can I steal your thunder here just a little bit? Okay. The clown is down! The clown is down! Enough from the clown! Uh, we spent the last two weeks absolutely ripping Dan Quinn. Well, apparently Arthur Blank has spent the last two minutes ripping Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn and the team's general manager, whose name I do not know, and frankly it does not matter at this point, have both been fired in Atlanta after their 0-5 start. Eric, are you surprised it took Arthur Blank this long? Honestly, after last season... Yes, I am. But it was going to happen. Maybe someone like me tagging certain accounts and putting a Dan Quinn clown picture up and being consistently ragged throughout social media and the internet, he's decided he just had enough. I'm not saying we played a role in Dan Quinn getting fired, but I'm not saying we didn't either. <laughs> Randy, are you surprised it took this long for Arthur Blank to pull the trigger on getting rid of Dan Quinn? Yeah, absolutely. We're calling for it every week. I figured he was going to be the first one to go. We we figured it was going to happen as soon as they blew that lead with that special teams blunder against Dallas. Yeah, yeah that, the moment that happened, I knew he, his job was done. It was just the moment that Arthur Blank wanted to pull the trigger. And I guess he figured 0-5 was the perfect time to do it. I don't know what he was waiting for, but... Oh, it was really funny listening. I forget even who it was doing a uh, preseason thing and they were talking about that they wanted to pick Atlanta to be their wild card team but they knew that Atlanta would blow it somehow they just didn't know how I don't think anybody was predicting 0-5 I think I actually did have Atlanta as my 7th seed if I recall correctly <laughs> yeah that, that, that pick does not age well 
at least you learned early. Yeah, at least my seven seed was the Raiders. I feel good about that one. But I, I don't. I I definitely don't feel good about saying Seattle was not going to make the postseason. So we we all have our one. You and me both on that. I didn't have them making uh, it either. So you mm-hmm, and me both mm-hmm, on that. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yours is twofold. You said Seattle wasn't going to make it because of Atlanta. So. <laughs> almost like rooting for the Jets. Yikes. Yeah, well, that's going to cost me 70 bucks, so it's whatever. <laughs> Freaking bastards. Fuck and, out. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to wear a stupid Dolphins hat at my next draft because me and a buddy have a, a hat bet for the last five or six years that if one of the two teams sweeps the other one in the two games, that the losing team person has to wear the other team's hat for both of our fantasy football drafts which take four or five hours it got to the point where one guy got drunk while we were doing the draft and for seven months thought i was a dolphins fan okay i had to wear a dolphins hat for a draft okay real quick question it's gonna happen again real quick question randy what jersey size do you wear (laughs) um i actually have one that you can borrow if need be it is a custom one, but it'll fit. Why would I want to wear a jersey? I just have to wear a hat. No, 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 no. I, I, if we could reach out to this to kind of help solidify the bet, I'm damn sure stirring the pot with this one. No, I'm, I'm definitely not adding to this bet. As a Jets fan, I ain't touching shit. And especially with, with this guy who has the exact same bet with my buddy who's a Ravens fan and backed out of the bet last year. So I'm not adding to shit until the Jets turn good in 2053. See, see, Harry, are you listening to him? I, I hear his lips moving, but the wheels are already turning. I, am I wrong here? Um, Brady, there's a very familiar uh, phrase that I'm going to encourage you to heed in this particular moment. You can't fight City Hall. And on this show, City Hall is Eric. Yeah, but see, there's this red button over here I can hit. <laughs> I would prefer you didn't because, you know, two men shows don't work out so well sometimes. Listen, I, I'm just saying, <laughs> can we just not say the J word anymore? <laughs> can we just not bring that up okay, for the rest well, of okay, the show? Okay, no, you can't because you got to pour one out for the homers uh, a little bit later. Son of a... I mean, I'm going, listen, you guys talk about your COVIDs and whatever you need to talk about. I'm going to go watch the Rays lose game four. Hey, hey, don't you put that evil on me, Randy. We can come back from this. Updated scoreboard? No. Uh, Astros still up 4-2, getting ready to go to the top of the ninth. Okay. I feel like I'm listening to the R&R Sports Report on KLCZ.com. Tuesday nights. 9 to 11 Eastern. 9 to 11 Pacific. Nine. I, I, have to just, I just have to bring up real quick with, with that radio show. It's been so nice to have, uh, especially on Tuesday, where we were giving updates. I mean, we, I know you don't want to talk about the Tuesday night football game, Harry, but we were giving updates for, for Tuesday night football. We had two baseball games going on. It's been really cool to have like a, like a, a sports update section to our, our radio show. Enjoy that for like the, the two weeks left that it's going to last. Yeah, I mean, we had the World Series in hopefully two weeks. Hopefully it goes to Game 7, whoever's in it. And then after that, it's it'll be business as normal for a while until, I guess, the NHL and 
NBA and college basketball get going. But other than that, I, it's been really cool. I have to say, like, I, I'm down for doubleheader Mondays in the NFL. I'm down for Tuesday night football. If they could figure that shit out, let's go. I, I'm cool with it. Technically, there would be Tuesday night football on ESPN if the Mac were a thing right now. It will be. It will be. It. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but on this show, we're down with some action. Of course, we're all about the action and uh, going down and watching the fun belt as well. And then me and Eric stay up late to watch football after dark on the West Coast. Naturally. You all right, let's dinner go. time over here. <laughs> football after dark for us, sir. <laughs> eat, eat your damn crab salad. Anyway, that takes us through. I'm a survivor as well as me busting Randy's ball some more because, you know, that, oh, wow, that really does look good. It's a pizza sandwich. Anyway, that takes us through I'm a Survivor, and with that we head back to the news desk for the Corona-inspired edition of the news desk. Once again, here's the anchorman, Eric Watkins. Alright, so when it comes to this, do you want the decent news, the bad news, or the holy fuck news? Take your pick. I feel like I know which one the holy fuck one is, and I think we need to save that for last just because of all people, you know? Yeah. So, I'll go with, you know what, you might as well hit me with the one that's closest to home. Yeah, in the bad news section of this part of the news desk, Dharma, thy name is Dan Mullen. Uh, Within less than a week after saying, because of the Texas A&M loss, that the crowd was a major factor, and he wanted 88000 at the Swamp because... Thank you, Governor DeSantis. Uh, that's allowed for one reason or another. And then going and doubling down on those efforts. Well, 21 different people between players and personnel from the Gators football team tested positive. That put them under their limit for player requirements. So they now join... Vanderbilt in Missouri with their game against LSU being two of the three games that are postponed for this weekend. Set to and I, ironically enough, the other game that got postponed, Jason tried to pick an RU series. Oh, we'll be getting to that one in the decent news section. But yes, tentatively rescheduled, of course, for December 12th. However, this could have significant impact because... If the Gators are in the SEC East title race and that game becomes a factor, that pushes back the SEC title game to the 19th. Which is the day that the college football playoff parents are supposed to be announced. The day before, actually. Their deadline is the 20th. Oh, so the CFPs come out on the 20th? Mm-hmm. Because Speaking that's a Saturday and that college... 20th would be a Sunday. I apologize for talking over you there. Speaking of the college football playoffs, did you see the breaking news from the NCAA today that they are waiving win eligibility requirements for bowl games games this year? That was actually part of my decent news. Along with the Oklahoma State-Baylor postponement in the Big 12, along with Les Miles, now head coach at Kansas, testing positive, because of all of the craziness, 
guess, the NCAA said just for this year, because of the inequitable number of games the conferences are going to be playing this season, all 137 teams? 130. All 130 teams are going to be up for grabs for a bowl game. Now, there are going to be fewer spots because there were some of the international bowl games that have been canceled. But still, if I remember correctly from the article, there's still 39 bowl games scheduled. So 78 different teams will get to play bowl games this year. Here's the thing. We think we can all agree there are too many bowl games anyway. Oh, yeah. But in this particular... In this particular season where games are at a premium, I don't have as big of an issue with people getting an expanded postseason opportunity. Oh, not at all. Especially because the window is between, and it's a much shorter window this year, December 1st to January 11th. So you're talking a little over five, almost six six weeks. weeks. Yeah, for all of those games. Uh. 31 days in 31 days in December, 11 into January is 42, divided by 7 is 6 weeks. On the button. I will discuss the Florida situation a little bit more when we pour one out for the homers. Hmm. But, um, so what you're saying, though, with regards to the whole Kansas thing, is that they still have miles to go for him to recover? Yes, they do. Did you look at the sheet? <laughs> I also remember that was the name of his show on ESPN Plus. Yeah, that that's where I got it from. I'm like, well, I have to do this while they're writing it down, so it just fits perfectly. All right, Randy. So a top ten team is postponed because of an outbreak with regards to the Gators. Kansas is going to Kansas still in football because clearly they're a basketball school. And the expanded bowl season is happening here. What are your thoughts on those three stories? And then we will get to the holy fuck COVID story of the week. Two of them, actually. But, Randy, go ahead first. I'm with Harry as far as expanded bowl season this year. I'm with him that there's too many already, but I'm cool with it this year. Mostly because we didn't really get a lot of non-conference games. Mm -hmm. So... This is a way to kind of scratch that itch a little bit. And um, ultimately, depending on placement of teams, you could have some of the non-conference conference, the non-conference rivalry games that couldn't happen this year because of the ske- the shortened schedules could happen in postseason games. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they get rid of the restrictions and stuff for some of these bowl games. Because well, like a lot of bowl games are based off of different conferences and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if they just basically go. This is just one extra week. It's like the Pac-12 is doing, and I know there's another conference that I'm, I can't think about that is championship the week for championship games. Big is just, 12. Uh, Big 12, thank you, where just everyone is playing that week. I think that's just another version of that. Oh, uh, Big I'm, 12. I'm, I want to say Big 10 as well, if that hasn't been mentioned. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't the ACC doing something similar as well with this conference championship weekend? The two highest seeded teams in the uh, regular season up to that point play, and then everybody else faces off as well. Uh, I haven't. N- no, ACC is not doing that because of the expanded and the plus one non-conference game schedule. Okay. So go ahead, Ricky. I'm usually I'm again I'm usually against all these bowl games. It gets ridiculous, but for this year, totally cool with it. COVID stuff. I, I think we all saw it coming in Florida. 
I mean, it just uh, the writing was on the wall instantly, and as Eric was saying, the karma was right there. And for people that just keep going, oh no, it's fine. We can just do all this. No, this is why we're easing into things. And Florida just proved it. I, I still find it really funny when everyone freaks out about our restrictions here in the states. Look at Australia. Yeah, look at Australia. We, look at the, we got the UK. Nothing. <laughs> we got nothing on the restrictions that they have in Australia. And they have less confirmed cases than Idaho as a country, as a continent. So we have it fine here, people. Just we're going to ease into things. Just we're cool. We don't need 80,000 people packed somewhere right now. If, if I may. Happy, just be happy we have football. If I may real quick as well. And wear your goddamn masks. Exactly. Because take it from me. Easing into things is always helpful than just jamming and packing it in. I mean, granted. Family show! Randy, your thoughts on the Les Miles thing as well. I got nothing. Eric, Eric ruined me. Let's get to All the right, terrible man. news. The crazy news. Okay. No, you have to call it correctly. Hold on. Nope, he has to call it correctly. The what news? I forget what you guys called it. I'm watching baseball over here, people. So am I, but I'm multitasking too, bitch. I can't I can't do it. I'm old and cannot do that. I have more gray hairs than you do. What you talking about? I cover mine with a hat. Fair. Aren't you well, the... What was it called? I'll, I'll call it right. You just have to say it again. The holy fuck news stories. Oh, of no, the see, week. I don't do that. I'm professional. I'm, I'm not like Jason. It, it's it's the holy expletive news. There you go. Well, Actually, look. I do believe we have a bleep sound effect, so get get them ready. Are you ready, Randy? Okay. Oh, holy... My... There you go. News like... stories. All right, Eric. Like, yours. Again, it's not like we're on KLZZ.com or if you happen to be in the local Lewiston, Idaho area, KLZZ 88.9 on the FM dial. Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 to 10 Central, 6 to 8 Pacific, 4 to 6 Hawaiian. But I digress. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I will say I'm just trying to stay in that rhythm of not cussing on a sports show. If you want to hear me cuss, listen to Chapter Select this week when we talk about the evil within. That game is going to make me say... All of the words. All right. There's 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 a preview. At chapter Ooh. underscore select on Twitter. But anyways. Man. Uh, you, you know what we've always said on this show, people? We can't be bought, but we can damn sure be rented. All right, Eric. Let's get back to the holy fuck stories of the week. So, the one before the bigger one. And it's a little bit of a soft spot to me as a Hurricanes fan. The old daggum himself, Bobby Bowden, having thankfully recovered from a leg infection, was hospitalized. He was able to leave the hospital, only to have to turn around and go right back because he tested positive for COVID. He's been in the hospital for about a week now, still there, thankfully doing well able to walk around this hospital room, and things seem to be on a good path towards a positive end outcome, which is fantastic. Bobby, definitely get well soon. I still miss you on the sidelines. Anyways, as if we weren't dealing with that enough. The news... Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
feel the need to comment here. Okay, go ahead. Because while Eric's Miami Hurricanes have a rivalry with the Florida State Seminoles, which Bowden coached for more than two decades, mm-hmm. it pales in comparison to the extended rivalry that Florida and Florida State have had in that time. Because mm-hmm. there was a long time that Miami and Florida State did not play. Mm-hmm. Florida and Florida State have played every year since like the 60s. Um, yeah. I'm assuming something good just happened to Tampa Bay. 4-3. Weeds cut in half, top of the ninth. Alright, so while Eric is enjoying that here, real quick, on behalf of my co-hosts, and on behalf of myself as well, I had a blast rooting against you when you were on the sideline in Tallahassee. I'm doing nothing but rooting for you right now, Coach Bowden. Get well soon. Totally agree. We're all pulling for you. As I, as I said when uh, you retired, Coach, I'm going to miss your old daggum. Get well soon for us. <laughs> and now the real holy story of the two. So, um, we were talking about the SEC and title implications and important people. Well, news broke this afternoon. Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama, chasing another national championship, and Alabama athletic director Greg Byrne, both tested positive. Both of them, as they soon as they got the news, immediately went to their respective homes to begin self-isolation. But, especially ahead of Alabama and Georgia, holy fuck. CBS has intended this to be a national primetime broadcast on Saturday night at 8 p.m. Are they big, man? (laughs) CBS is praying to whatever form of God that Les Moonves and friends believe in that this game doesn't get scrapped because they have been promoting the fuck out of it including during the Thursday, the Tuesday night football game this past Tuesday night when Tennessee took on the Buffalo Bills. They are advertising this as the game of the year, number two versus number three. And it turns out that the final score might be COVID-19, SEC nothing. Oh, really? You're giving SEC defenses way too much credit for COVID to only have 19. <laughs> All right, Randy, your thoughts on Coach Saban? How can you really have thoughts? I mean, hopefully he everything goes well for him, too, and he gets his health. And Here's what I want to know. Honestly, if you're CBS, I mean, obviously you're worried about the game getting postponed. But if you're a play-by-play person or a color analyst for that game and that game continues to go, you don't have to look up a single stat. You don't have to do any film room <laughs> stuff. You don't have to do any history notes. It's just look at the sideline. There's no Nick Saban. Nick Saban is a home. Do you think Nick Saban would have called that play? Do you think he has a walkie-talkie in his home and he's making plays? <laughs> you just talk Nick Saban the whole time. Their jobs would be simple if that game still goes on Saturday and he's a home. 
I would argue that it would probably fall down to his coordinators in order to run the team similar to what happened with who was it that just had that happen. Help me out here, Eric. You know what I'm referring to. There was a coach earlier this year right before a game that tested positive. Oh, Florida State? Mike Norvell, thank you. You're welcome. And he had no access to the team during the game because he had to uh, he had to step away, and it was considered illegal electronic usage. And funny that you mentioned with the coordinators because the interim coach, while Saban recovers and isolates, is Alabama's offensive coordinator. I don't know who that is. Does the name Steve Sarkeesian ring a bell? Are you freaking serious? Yes. Just as serious as I am that we lined out or flied out to end the fucking game. Shit. <laughs> so, Tampa Bay three games, Houston one, for those of you keeping track at home now. It's baseball discussion on a football podcast. You're welcome. Um, we might as well break the news. The, the kickoff's going year-round. It's been discussed. We've officially decided it's going to happen. It's just... We'll become a all sports podcast in the football off season. All right, back to your regularly scheduled football show here. Um, I do think it's kind of ironic that Kirby Smart's first win against Alabama could come with Nick Saban not on the sideline. And and Saban could well, still like, keep whoops. take takes the L. Saban takes the L, which was a precedent set with the Mike Norvell thing. Really? So, yeah. Kirby Smart would become the first Nick Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban, and Saban wouldn't even be at the game. Wow. I did not know would, that. <clears throat> wouldn't that be some shit? Man, if I'm Nick Saban, as soon as I'm done, I would fly to Indianapolis. I would just bypass the SEC altogether. I'd just go straight to Mark Emmert's face and be like, really, motherfucker? You really want to do this? <laughs> We gonna scrap. All right. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I kind of want to see Saban try to throw down with somebody. I feel like that would be hilarious. I mean, seriously, Saban and throwing hands against Emmer, I would pay for that. <laughs> um, Eric, this one's for you. You ready? Ready. World star. <laughs> All right. That finishes up our COVID-related news desk portion. We had the non-COVID parts earlier there. That took the place of I've Got a Question this week because, quite frankly, the stories were too big for me to ask, simply ask them about them. It, they needed more detail delved, and that's kind of Eric's specialty when he's running the news desk. Thank you, Mr. Anchorman. It was appreciated. Stay classy as always. Man, this sangria is delicious. All right, Randy, unmute the microphone. Yes, sir. It's time to pour one out for the homers. All right, I'm going back on mute. <laughs> but no, no, I actually have a good stat for you that would make things wait, maybe. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do the stat there, okay. how's, how's things in the high school football scene there since you don't have college? Well, even though the, the high school team lost this week, it's just been terrible. <sighs> There's not a single team that I root for. That knows how to win a game. Well, I mean, to be fair, you're wearing your Hawthorne Hawks gear. They won a couple of games this season. Not a lot, but they won a couple. They've had a down year. The, the, the Jets have had a down 
franchise. The Knicks have had a down couple of decades. Um, the Sabres haven't been good since the mid Dominic 2000s. Wait Dominic a minute. Cost left for Detroit. Yeah. Um, wait, 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 I'm, wait, wait. I'm waiting for the Kraken so I can finally flip teams there. I'm about to say, it's like I didn't know about this other kind of hockey fandom. That. Yeah. Trying um, to, what else have we got? What other sports am I thinking of? Everything else got canceled. I, I actually was rooting, rooting for a good team in the XFL that got canceled. Um, Washington State's probably going to finish in the bottom half of the Pac-12. Oh, probably. I mean, that's 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 normal. I, I don't know. I, I guess I have to wait for baseball and LCSE Warrior NAI stuff to, to happen again. I mean, they're pretty good. How about that? Okay. Hey, your volleyball team is nationally ranked as well. Hey, our basketball teams, men and women, number one in their new conference. I think LC, the men could have won the, the NAI if the tournament happened last year, bringing back some starters. Should be all right. I, I, I don't have hope because I'm rooting for them now. And, and I'm part of that that school, so the curse is bigger. But fuck, we can be bought. Um, KLCZ.com every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific for the R&R Sports Report with Randy Isbell and Robert Hagen. All right, let's let's get let's pour some salt in the wounds. Okay. Uh, 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 but again, there's a. Slight... I want to hear this stat. Let's hear this stat. Jamison Crowder. He yeah. is still actually leading the NFL, if I read this right, 115.7 receiving yards per game. Well, when you're the only person on the team. But, but th- that's good, especially since you yeah, have... Yeah, no, I love, I love Jameson Crowder. He's been fantastic. Eight catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. But I mean, it's it's Jeff Smith, it's Chris Hogan, it's Braxton Berrios, it's this Trevon Wesco guy who I had never heard of until I just looked at this box score. Chris Herndon has been the biggest disappointment ever. What are you trying to do? Yeah, I I thought he was going to be a big sleeper hit for fantasy football. Again, because somebody has to catch the ball for New York, and that has just been a dud. I mean, he drops everything around him. Obviously, the Le'Veon Bell thing is what everyone's going to focus on. And rightfully so. Obviously, it's a big news. Le'Veon Bell is a huge winner in all of this. He made so much money to play, what what was it, 17 or 19 games with the Jets over two seasons? 17 now, games, $27 million. And I want to say the Jets still owe him $6 million in his guaranteed portion of his contract. So he's going to go to the minimum for whatever team he wants. As we talked about earlier, it sounds like it could be the Chiefs. And... He can be a supporting role for wherever he goes and have a, a chance to, to win a Super Bowl ring while the Jets possibly go 0-16. It's just brutal, and I can't even be mad at the guy because I would be pissed off if I was him too. He is one of only a couple good skilled players on the Jets, and they don't get him involved ever. So I'm with Le'Veon Bell in this situation as he... I mean, I know Adam Gase is coming out, well, he should talk to me instead of going to Twitter and liking reporters' posts. Well, stop being a goddamn baby. I know he's talked to you. You hate the guy. You always have always hated the guy. He's more! It's just, listen, you guys are, it's just, being a Jets fan is so rough. And if you look at the Jets' schedule, can somebody please tell me a win? Uh, just one. 
Do you I'll run it through. At the Dolphins. No. Obviously, Harry thinks that's a survivor. Then they play the Bills. No. Chiefs. No. Patriots. No. Chargers. No. It used to be, but that Herbert kid's good. Depends on which Herbert shows up, yes. Then the Dolphins again. No. Raiders. For the Dolphins. That is in, in New York. That's a possible maybe, but probably not. Then they play the Raiders. Wait, where is that Raiders game? At home. Mm. Circle no. that. Wait, let me explain. Randy wants, Randy wants the Raiders to win that game so that way they can improve their potential 7 playoff position. But, but, but let me explain, though. And again, friend of also another longtime Jets fan, if you look at the Jets and the Raiders, the home team usually wins in that series. If that could be the one... That could, it would have to be the only one, because then it's at Seattle. No. At the Rams. No. Against the Browns. No. And at the Patriots. No. So, yeah, it's the Raiders and maybe the Chargers, unless so, they can sneak one against Miami. So you're looking at basically 1-15 in 15 at a best-case But you know what? As a Jets fan, I know how this is going to go. They're going to lose all these games. Then they're going to beat the Raiders. And then they're going to stun the Browns. And then they're going to stun the Patriots in Week 17 and not get the number one pick. Because that's what the Jets do. Could you imagine if if whatever the record is for the Jets going into Week 17, if, Mm -hmm. say, it's them and the Giants, right? Because those are the two most likely to get the number one pick. Along with the Jaguars. Or, we'll get to Atlanta. But any of those teams, say the Jets are tied with another team in record for the number one pick. Do you think, as long as Bill Pelichick and the Patriots are in the playoffs, that he will do everything in his power to let the Jets win, to screw themselves out of the draft pick? I will say this in that regard. I think it will depend on if Buffalo has or has or has not clinched the division by that point. It's just, yeah, there's zero to look forward to as a Jets fan. Because I just, I have that weird feeling in my in the back of my mind that they're going to do something to screw up getting the number one pick and, and just still be stuck. It's going to be great. Okay, but right, say, so like, even if they screw up getting the number one pick, but they somehow, through trades or whatever, still end up with the number one pick. Yeah, but I you can see that sometimes. But this year, the number one pick is Trevor Lawrence. So, if a team I somehow ended up being the number one, or got the number one pick, but didn't need a quarterback, the price tag on that pick is going to be astronomical. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to pay that. It would probably be six first-round picks. How, you would would, be- uh, you, Eric, you would... You would know this or be able to look it up. What did Mike Ditka give up to trade up to get Ricky Williams? Wasn't it like literally the entire draft or close? It was to a it? ridiculous amount of picks. So, it would yeah, have to it, be almost twice as much as that to get the number one pick next so, year. So yeah, you're talking about right in the range of six, seven picks, but in various positions to get Ricky Williams. All right, let's. 
let's move on from the homers because we're going to send Randy into a depression if we don't. It's already there. Um, Eric. Did you announce your stat? Yeah, the Jamison Crowder stat. Oh, the fact that he's still leading the league in reception yards yeah. per game? All right, mm-hmm. so I looked this up real quick. All right. So for the Saints to go up to the fifth pick to get Ricky Williams, they traded the 12th pick, their third-round pick, their fourth-round pick, their fifth-round pick, their sixth-round pick, and their seventh-round pick of the 1999 draft, and their first and third of the next year. So you're talking eight. It's going to take something similar to that to get trouble. A first, a second, two thirds, and probably a fourth. All right. Um, Eric, you never announced. Oh, yes, you did. Never mind. I, I got lost for a second. All right, we're good. Um, so, Miami and Clemson, it went exactly how Miami and Clemson has gone the last four times. Not exactly. There's been improvements. The improvements have gotten smaller, but there's been improvements. Here's the thing, though. I honestly believe this Hurricane team is talented enough to get another crack at these Clemson Tigers. If we can bounce back and we have a good opponent to bounce back against at home against Pittsburgh, I didn't always like new offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley's play calls especially when we were getting in the weeds, but I'm willing to take that as an aberration. I had said, and we had talked about this, that Miami had to play the perfect game. And even going into this game, I knew we weren't at that level to where we could play the perfect game against them. But on the same token, there were flashes that I can trust. And with the way the rest of the ACC is breaking, and we get the boost of not having to play Notre Dame. That could potentially help us get into at least a race for the second spot and get another crack at them. Don't get me wrong. But all of this narrative about saying, oh, well, this test against Clemson, is Miami back, is Miami back? I knew by the standards everybody else had, we weren't going to be back. Because that would basically say, we would beat them, or at least come close. But in my mind, I think we really are close to being back. If this game takes a hit as far as the recruiting, but we've got a top 10 recruiting class. We have a good offensive coordinator. We know what we can do with a good quarterback. It's just a matter of sharpening up the finer things. I think if we can go through the rest of the season sharpening that up and taking that into next season we could be pretty much back. So I'm not as mad, all things considered. A rough week for Jacksonville as well with the loss to Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati and then losing to Houston after I figured, oh, Bill O'Brien fired, great, winless team. Yada, 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 crazy things happened. Well, crazy things did happen, and it ended up 30-14. to 14. Well, here's the fallout from that. It is a visit on Sunday on Fox from the Detroit Lions, who themselves are having a very good season either at 1-3. and three. 
Yeah, but at the same time, we thought that everything... I mean, it's great that Romeo Cornell could get the first win. I've always liked Romeo Cornell. That's great. But do I really want to... Yeah, do, do, do I want to give another win this time to a Patriots assistant? And the scary thing is that could potentially happen. Well, the good news is, is if you lose to them, it helps your draft stock. Yes, but under for, but at what cost? Do you really trust this front office that we have? I mean, how many times have I put Mark Lamping as my ticket a week? Not to mention, it feels like it feels like Amir Khan's more focused on Fulham, and Tony's more focused on AEW these days. Case in point. I mean, granted, they're back in the Premier League, huzzah! But uh, look at how long the season is. By the time they get relegated again, our season will already be over, and what'll be the point? <laughs> if it's all the same, I'd rather not talk about what happened in the Premier League the last time it happened. <laughs> Because with them on an international break, that means I had to deal with the salty taste of a 7-2 to loss for two weeks. Yeah, at least yours, actually yours was worse because it was to Aston Villa. At least losing 6-1 to Tottenham, I can cope with that. Not well, but I can cope with that. Uh, none of our players got red carded. Do you really have to bring up that part? That, that, that was entirely not necessary. Uh, speaking of what's not necessary is... You not checking out the group chat. While he does that, and we avoid the dead air here, uh, once he comes back, it'll be time for him to flip the script. And I don't really want to talk about either game that happened, but given that it's poor one up for the homers, I kind of have to. Yeah. I, I now know how. I now know how Randy feels this season. Yeah. I have um... no idea. You only have tasted a little bit of the shit ice cream. We got ready to swear again. No, 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 because I'm asking this first. You know how I feel watching endless highlights of one of your players being run over, just totally trucked, having the soul taken out of his body by Derrick Henry. How does it taste to you, especially on a Tuesday? I gotta ask. Um, okay, so I watched it with my buddy Tom. <sighs> Long-time listeners of my podcast will know him as Jimmy Christopher, the former producer for the Raw Reaction over on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday nights, 11.30 p.m. Eastern every week, myself and 411 Mania's Tony Acero, as well as one of our favorite people in the whole world, Eric, the co-hostess with the mostest, Miss Liz Puglisi. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm sitting there watching the game with him and Henry throws Josh Norman like Josh Norman owes him child support (laughs) and I turn to Tom and I say Jesus he just got grown ass man by Derrick Henry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Tom is just laughing cannot put a sentence together because he's too busy laughing at the way that Josh Norman got voted off of the island in that particular situation. Yeah, th- th- don't be don't be ashamed. At least it's only happened to you once instead of like five times. So, well, you get a taste. We of might it. as well we might as well talk about the rest of the shit sandwich that was that game. Yeah, I mean, just overall, what happened? I thought 
Okay, a couple of things here. One, no smoke. No deep threat on our offense because John Brown's our deep threat on offense. Fair. Josh Allen had his worst game of the season thus far. Also true. A first interception that was not his fault. A ball cannot hit you in the chest and then bounce to a defender, Andre Roberts. A third interception on the season and second of the game that was 110% entirely Josh Allen's fault. That's the Josh Allen from his rookie season. That's the Josh Allen we thought we were past in Buffalo. So not only does Andre Roberts have a ball hit him in the hands and bounce to a defender earlier in the game, he decides to take every single kickoff out of the end zone and doesn't get past the 20 with any of them. Oof. And the one, that, the one that he does get past the 20 on, he fumbles. I mean... Andre, I appreciate all Buffalo Bills players. But do me a favor and sit the fuck down. I mean, but you do that kind of stuff when you circle the wagons, don't you? No, because Tennessee's actually a good team this year. They were 3-0 coming into this game. Circling the wagons means we're losing to teams we shouldn't lose to. But, I mean, if you think about it, it's still Ryan Tannehill after all. (gasps) The, the funny thing was, is like I said, I was watching with Tom, and Tannehill runs in a touch, runs the 10-yarder in for the score. And I turned to Tom, and I say, I can't believe we just let 47-year-old Ryan Tannehill score a rushing touchdown on us. <laughs> and Tannehill said, and Tom says to me, he's not that old. I'm like, I know. And you know what? He's going to get older every time he does it, because this is bullshit. By the end, of, by the time I went home at the end of the night, it was 83-year-old Ryan Tannehill scoring <laughs> from the Denver line. I figured we'd have an advantage against Tannehill because he's a quarterback we were familiar with with his time in Miami. Clearly, that was before the Sean McDermott days in Buffalo because we didn't have a damn clue what to do with Tannehill on Tuesday night. You live, you learn, and like I told Robert Foster, host of Golden Point Sports, which you guys can check out, over on Facebook by searching for Golden Point Sports. Jason's not here to yell at me for plugging him, so um, I look forward to running it back later in the season, preferably when both teams are fully healthy. I mean, with that one, it, it, there's all kinds of mistakes and aberrations, but um, to kind of rub a little salt in your wound, that came off of the heels of... Um, Going up against another coach that you should have a little bit of familiarity with in old Jimbo Fisher. Can you tell me what happened against Texas A&M? Okay, I'm going to say words that I don't usually say on this show. Dan Mullen was right. Go on. All right, I'm back. Sorry. Okay, I was wondering. It's like, yeah, that death stare was a little bit longer than usual. <laughs> the I'm going to say something I don't usually say. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen, right. Go on. The fans in College Station. See, he can't even get through it. His internet is like... <laughs> it's, it's just messing with him. 
his internet is like, no, 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 you're not going to admit this on the air. No, 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 we'll try this again. <laughs> the fans in College Station made the difference. Having the opportunity to play in front of a live crowd energized Texas A&M and motivated them, especially in the fourth quarter when they were able to take the ball down and put Florida away with the game-winning field goal as time expired. Do I think the Gators need to be putting 88,000 people into the swamp right now? No, Dan, Mo- Dan Mullen's a fucking idiot for that. But, but... Do I think that it would be the worst idea to start letting maybe 20% capacity, 25% capacity in the swamp and letting fans give us the same kind of motivational treatment that the A&M Aggies got from the, from the, from the 12th man at College Station? No, I don't. See, with 25%, so you're talking roughly 22,000-ish, I would be okay with that. I'd be okay with and that. Not to- not to mention, you have a limited amount of fans there. It's spaced out enough that the ambient noise isn't going to be as loud, but the uh, the cheers and the motivational noises will be louder. They'll be amplified because there'll be more of the stadium for them to bounce off of. Absolutely. So I think kind of wrong to go full throttle, but if they do decide when they get to play again at the Swamp, that they say, hey, we're going to let in, you know, 20, 23,000. I'd be like, okay, that's being reasonable. But speaking about playing again, do you feel like you dodged a bullet in having your next game postponed? No, I don't. Because LSU is struggling right now. Yeah, that's an understatement. And realistically speaking, the Gators would have probably put the Tigers down to one and three. However, safety is primary. These are human beings, not just athletes. And if that means having to wait a couple of weeks to play the Bayou Bengals, then that means having to wait a couple of weeks to play the Bayou Bengals. Oh, no, you wouldn't be waiting a couple of weeks. You'd be waiting a couple of months at this point. Well, I don't know when the respective bye dates are or anything. No, they they, they don't do – there are no respective bye dates. The game is rescheduled for December 12th. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, um, shit. <laughs> suck if it comes down to that deciding the SEC East, isn't it? This is what I was saying. They designated that week as saying, all right, any games we miss during our normal allotment, we're playing them December 12th. If it happens to affect the SEC title game, then the title game would be bumped to the 19th. Otherwise, you would so indeed play, all be playing on that weekend. So what you're saying is, is Vanderbilt, Missouri, is definitely on December 12th. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. But in all sincerity, though, um, I hope that they keep everything under control in Florida. Obviously, Gainesville, um, I don't want to see it spread any further than it already has. I want to see it away from with the or as well. Exactly, mostly, kind of. I think that moves the... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, exactly, mostly, kind of, because your inner robot came out for a quick second. This freaking phone connection, I'm telling you, it hates me sometimes. All right. I got a question for you guys. Are you serious? Apparently, I'm and, not. 
you know what I am? I'm absolutely murdering it this year, Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I've seen the standings. Five weeks to the season, and I'm hitting 80% against the spread. Yeah, well, you lost to Coastal Carolina, so there's that. I picked Coastal to cover. Oh, that was my pick for the week. All right. Um... And the, the game has gone final already because it was a Wednesday game. Coastal Carolina has defeated Louisiana Lafayette. Lala. They're just, I know they're just like, uh, aren't they just like Lafayette now or University of Louisiana? Uh, so I am now 9 and 2 and 82% on the season against the spread. And I am consuming alcohol, if you'll excuse me. I'm driving Eric to drinking. Uh, Jason's collegiate pick was originally going to be the Baylor Bears against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Ah, damn it. I dropped my phone. I'm good. Still with me? Still with you. All right. Like I said, Jason's pick was going to originally be the Baylor Bears against the Oklahoma State Cowboys, but COVID stepped in and said that game's not happening, and instead he is picking the South Florida Bulls plus 10 against Temple. Eh, reasonable and decent. Randy? They actually got a college football pick right last week. It was pretty nice. So we'll see if we can keep that going. I'm going to take... You got NC State for 24 points. Impressive. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I'm going to take Boston College, stay in the ACC here, as they're going to take on Virginia Tech. I'm going to take the 12. They've played one common opponent, North Carolina. Obviously, they both lost to the Tar Heels, but... The Eagles only lost by four. The Hokies lost by 11. Boston College has won the last two matchups. And I, I think the defense is pretty good. I don't know if they're win, but I think they can cover the 12. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the final score of that UNC Votek game like 56 to 45? Exactly 56 to 45. Which I'm pretty sure is the most points Virginia Tech has allowed since the pre-Frank Beamer days. Yeah, that sounds about right. Beamer Ball wouldn't have played that. I'm just saying. All right, Eric, who's your pick for the week? Yeah, I was just double-checking on the sheet, and then I realized I'm going to actually have to change my pick because of our standards. Does it not qualify for the seven? Yeah, because I had to double-check with the line, and unfortunately, it's only six. I still might bet on this one, though. All right, well, his bonus pick, then, is Kentucky. Exactly, because, well, as you say quite frequently, FRT. Mm-hmm. But there was... And for those of you... For those of you who aren't Florida Gator fans, the RT in that statement is Rocky Top. You can probably figure out the first one. Exactly. Now, I've got a line that may seem ridiculous at the outset, but hear me out. This, hear you outset? Okay. Th- this is 2020. We have teams that are not going to be playing an equal number of games. When a team plays their first game of the season, it's actually been somewhat surprising. 
especially if their opponents are, you know, a couple games deep. Also keep in mind that this is me. I can't say I can't get worse because I know I can, but at this point, could I possibly get much worse? So, in a case of go big or go home, give me UMass plus 31 against Georgia Southern. Jesus! Look, Minutemen, this is your first game. I, no, I already don't like New England. I don't like Boston. I don't like the Bruins. Please, for the love of God, give me something to represent outside of Telegram. Just this for is not your only, sake. This is not only their first game, it's their only game of the year. Currently, anyways. True. Even better, shout out to the still continuing independence. Come on, UMass. I, I, I'm kind of well, counting on you in this case. I'm going to give another shout out here because of the fact that UMass has been ranked since the start of the season here. Shout out to Ryan McGee in the bottom 10 as well. With all apologies, with all apologies to Steve Harvey, not the Family Feud host. Look, Ryan McGee, if you're listening, and I will tag you when I go ahead and post this, if they do not cover this 31 points, you may go ahead. I will send you my name so you can spell it correctly. That way I could get the coveted fifth spot. I will put that out there. I will take that upon myself with pride. My name, my Twitter handle, everything. I will take that if this doesn't work. You know what this means, Eric. This means we're going to have to add the link to the newest bottom 10 show description. Of course. Okay, just making sure. All right, let's move over to the National Football League here. And Jason's pick for the week? Well, apparently Randy's learned. No, Jason beat me to it. (laughs) Wait, you boy? Really, Randy? Really, Randy? Randy! I I really really Randy, Riley, Randy, Riley, Jimmy. I love that promo. <laughs> that I love our truth. That reference was just for you, Randy. I appreciate it. That was a great reference. All right, moving on. You know what? Okay, so Jason's taking Jacksonville plus three and a half against Detroit. You know what's sad about that reference? I know the three people involved. I know the three people they lost to in the pay-per-view the night before. I'm a nerd. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, same and same. Liter- I host the wrestling podcast every week. I think I got you trumped on this one. True. Alright. Um, Eric, what was it you just said about taking UMass? Yeah. Um, if, if they don't, nope. I mean, this is their first and only game of the season. I know that these games, kind of for their only game, it's going to be interesting. They're going to be prepared, and I've already looked up the latest bottom 10, so that way I will input the link. Again, Ryan, I will tag you in this. Everybody, the five of you out there, let's get this retweeting. Let's start something. Um, The words that Eric used that I was hoping he would repeat there were, go big or go home. You know my response to that is, Mr. Watkins? Yeah. Go big or go homer. 
The Buffalo Bills plus three and a half hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Suck it, Taylor. And let's see how quickly we can get him on the next episode. <laughs> yay, 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 yay. <laughs> Boom. Popped. All right. Jason, so that's my pick. That's Jason's pick. Um, Randy? I'm going back to the well. Last week, I took a team that fired their head coach, came back strong. Doing that again. Dan Quinn's gone. Give me the Falcons plus four to beat the Vikings. The fuck you did? You took Philadelphia in the in the in the Keystone Showdown last week. No, I took Tennessee as my survivor. Sorry, but that was the reason I took Tennessee was because of the revenge. Houston at or Houston. Sorry, whatever. I don't know. It's tired. I'm ready for bed. It's been a long college day. I'm ready for bed. Okay, so yeah, he did take Houston in, uh, as his survival yeah. pick, and he has the second longest winning streak currently. Do you ever think you'd see that day? You guys had to fuck up at some point. That's all I knew. <laughs> we did it <laughs> and, again. Uh, and and you know what? When two is in second place, I, I can't even be bragging about it yet. Okay, when you say you guys had to, I think you mean everybody but me. You you screwed up this week by picking against the Jets. And that's the one time the Jets will win a stupid game. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, you were not going to hear the end of it if the Jets win this game on Sunday. <laughs> All right. So Randy's taking the Falcons. Jason's taking the Jaguars. I'm taking the Bills because fuck it. Um, Eric, yes. I like your moxie, but I don't think it happens. No, again, everybody's talking about Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, they're 4-0. And oh, they're 4-0 for the first time since they won the last Super Bowls, or those Super Bowls in 78 and 79. I get that. But even my brother, who is a diehard Steelers fan, he even poses this question. Who did they really beat? Now, again, with this being 2020, with all of the planets aligning and all of the formations and everything, this is that once-in-a-decade time where the Browns are actually halfway decent. This is the first time that the Browns have been 4-1 and one since Belichick in 94. When the Browns are at least half-decent, they give the Steelers good games. I think this is going to be one of those times, and I think that half point could actually be crucial. Give me the Browns, three and a half, going to the land of ketchup, Heinz Field. Speaking of catching up, you need to do some of that the standings, Eric. It, again, I thought that we were past that part of the show. I thought, I thought we, we, we've moved on. Making actual picks now. We, we don't need to remind we'll, we'll the make, public about that. We'll, we'll, make, we'll reveal the updated standings next week on the show every three weeks, like we usually do. So there you have it. It is UMass and Cleveland for Eric. Coastal Carolina, who has already won by the time you listen to this. My apologies. It was in there in advance. The guys can confirm. Yep. And we can vouch and for Buff him on this one. And Buffalo for myself. South Florida and Jacksonville. Man, Jason's saying really geographically specific, isn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've made the drive from Jacksonville to Tampa. It's not that bad. And then Boston College in Atlanta. I will say this much. One other person has picked Boston College on this show this year. Did not win that game straight up, but he did hit it against the spread. So the Eagles are a strong pick, Randy. Thank you. All right, you might as well leave your microphone unmuted because it's time for people to tell people where they can find you online. Everywhere anymore. I'm a busy person. Uh, at Randy Isbell on Twitter, which never gets used. At chapter underscore select for my video game podcast, which, again, uh, we will be doing the first part of The Evil Within uh, this week. And next week, we are going to review the Assassin's Creed movie which the beginning of that title is a good review of that movie. It is straight ass. And you can catch me every Tuesday on KCLZ.com from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time for my uh, local sports radio show with my friend Robert Hagan. It's the R&R Sports Report. Uh, I think week two was really, really good. We had a lot of fun, and we're, we're starting to get things going and and finally, going to start getting some some guests involved with some um, local basketball players. So, we're good. Oh, good. Uh, first, Eric, first, you'll have guests, and then you'll have five pin bowling, especially if I have anything to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> get those I, may, working. Just for you, Eric, after the PBA playoffs get done, maybe we'll talk about some five pin bowling. Thank you. See, that's all you have to do. I'm willing to defer for that. Um, Eric? Yes? Did you notice me start laughing while he was doing his plugs? Yeah, talking about, you know, what he said and, like, what I'm going to do next as I lead into my plugs or something no. else. Something else. I plugged his radio show. Mm-hmm. His radio show. Mm-hmm. We both got the station's website correct. That's what I was thinking about, too. Again. Can't... What did I say wrong? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Where did I flip it? You said, apparently Randy's dyslexic because he said KCLZ. It's KLCZ.com. Lewis Clark. I'm tired. Again, my other thing. KLCZ, KLCZ.com and KLCZ 88.9 on your FM dial if you're in the local area. Lewis, Idaho, Clark, Washington, I believe. Correct. Look at me! Well, Lewiston and Clarkston, but it's close enough. The, the stins don't matter. What does matter is Jason's plug real quick here. It is at W2M Chairman on Twitter. You can also find him at TurgoGlue822, but he'll probably tell you to go fuck yourself. Once he's done covering the West Virginia Hootow season opener, he should be back next week, we're hoping. We'll see if that materializes. I don't know. They do have a pretty big game. I think they're playing the Burger Kings next. I don't know. I mean, man, they've got a quarterback controversy, too. I mean, I, I guess you can't always have it your way. I hear their offensive line is a bunch of whoppers. <laughs> God, and, and, right. and, and have you seen some of those defensive backs? I mean, they are, they're little guys, but they're some really spicy nuggets. And yes, we said nuggets. Nuggets. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Make your plug. 
Uh, you can find me at Squid Sports Head on Twitter. Um, as the AFL and NRL seasons come to an end, again, if there's some convenient timing for late night games, I might do a little bit more live tweeting. Maybe targeting some stuff for the grand finals. Who knows? But if you don't feel like going through all that or going with other sports, you can look me up on Facebook at Eric Watkins. You know the deal by now. Guy, wine, recliner, etc. We can talk about a few other things, give you some ideas for my election night podcast special or talk about tutoring or other things. But if you feel like you're missing something a little bit special in your life, you can go ahead, slide in my DMs on Twitter, undergo the proper vetting process, and then you will gain access to my dark Twitter, my Telegram, my Snapchat, a few different nicknames I've been gaining, etc. And as always, this plug brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. Website pending, commercial pending, notary ser- public services also coming soon. I finally regained what little was left of my composure after that. Fuck you're, you very much, Watkins. You're welcome. You can find me at ATV the Eagle on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on MySpace. That's still a thing. Although even Justin Timberlake has said fat fat no no never mind not finishing that. Um, in addition, you can find me every Monday night at eleven thirty p.m. Eastern with the reaction on the I almost called it the raw reaction out of habit. The show name changed when we started covering SmackDown. With the reaction, four one one mania is Tony Acero, the co-hostess with the mustache, Miss Liz Puglisi, and myself. We discuss SmackDown and Raw from the weeks, and this particular Monday night coming up. We have our preview for Hell in a Cell with our predictions as well. So that'll be on the reaction this week. In addition, once he's back, we hope to bring back What's Your Fantasy, the W2M Network's fantasy football show spinoff from the kickoff. Uh, No commercial, no website. Although you can find me on Grapple if you like wrestling. I'm rating shows on Grapple. Do you ever check out that app, Randy? I couldn't find it. Is it not an iPhone thing? Oh, I, I, yeah, I legit looked it up the moment we got off the air last week, uh, but I couldn't find it anywhere. I tried different spellings and stuff. And... G-R-A-P-P-L. Yeah, it's not on there. Oh, Sweet. wait. No, I lied. There it is. I was about to it, say, uh, it, you for It was under Swing Loops Grapple Parish Parkour Game. For whatever reason, even though I spelt it correctly, it was like throwing it under these other games, so I just figured it wasn't there. Yes. I will do it right now. See, serves you right. right for having an iPhone. So while Randy downloads Grapple and adds himself there, um, add HEB the Eagle on there if you're interested. We can compare ratings for pay-per-views in the future and stuff. I, I already know mine will be all lower than yours. I'm a, I'm a cynical Ooh. asshole. <laughs> I, can be, I can be pretty cynical at times. If people listen to the reaction, they know. So that's the reaction. This, however, is the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. Segway! Online at W2M Net. We're playing all the hits. Online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. Who's your dick of the week? Roger Goodell, and for a specific reason, 
what a lot of us know about, you know, the rap sheet, Ian Rappaport on Twitter. Why you gotta go and suspend the man for two weeks just for doing stuff and tweeting out a good manscaping commercial? That's Mark Lamping level dickness there, Roger. Get your shit together. Come on now. Randy, who's your dick of the week? Adam Gase. That's is it going to be that way? The rest, is that going to be the rest that way the rest of the season unless the Jets actually find a way to win a game? No, it will still be the dick of the week. I'll, I'll find other enjoyable things, but I couldn't think of one today. So he's always my go-to. So he's the Mark Lamping of your current franchise. Yes. Very well. Um, I don't remember who specifically I brought up during the show that I was going to say. So I'm just going to say my dick of the week is Juice Robinson. Because Tony Storm, Tony Storm returned on NXT tonight, and sweet baby Jesus. So yeah, fuck you, Juice. Uh, Sports-related dick of the week. Mm. Mm. I don't really have one, so I'll just stick with Juice. Not even Derrick Henry. No, because I can't even be mad at what he did to Josh Norman. Josh Norman should pay his child support. Fair. Fair. Hmm. As Chiseled Adonis would say, the power of dreadlock the dreadlocks was stripped from him in that incident. Jason didn't submit a dick of the week, I don't think, so. Can we just say Sean under general principle? <laughs> I mean It's not like he'll listen to this show anyway. <laughs> Hashtag twinsies. Aw, aw. <laughs> Boom! All right, all right, all right. Just for common principles. Boom! Yeah, I know. You're a horrible person. For the Riz, Randy Isbell. The unprofessional and on an assignment, Jason Teasley. The anchor man, quite literally this week, Eric Watkins. I am the voice of reason. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network.